Hey guys, this is Table Talks with Atares, an inside look at the everyday conversations we have at our table. I'm Ash. I'm MJ. I'm Albert. I'm Yemi. And today we have guests. <laughs> we do. So today we have the Matessas at the table with us and we're having a conversation on faith and legacy. And we prompted them with a couple of questions and we just had a deep dive discussion on several topics and being first gen americans being first gen americans individualism versus collectivism or Mm -hmm. being more family oriented and so yeah i was really encouraged in this conversation and i hope you guys will be encouraged as well it's a little bit longer of an episode but i think it's well worth your time so we hope you enjoy enjoy All right, so I'm just gonna, this is, I get in trouble for doing this because I just like go into it. So I will contextualize as necessary, but let's, uh, we'll go into the questions eventually, but I just wanted to kind of give a little bit of context that uh, like we're really thankful to have you guys on the podcast and it's been a joy to work with you guys as coaches at HC3, mm-hmm. even though we don't get to do that anymore. <laughs> but um, the other thing I wanted to make mention too is that your guys' biblical influency, uh, b- biblical fluency mm-hmm. is evident in how you lead, how you think, how you speak, and uh, the cultural context you bring to the table as a new family is not only diverse, but also unique and fascinating. So this is why we wanted you at the table, mm-hmm. and we want to learn from you. So yeah, I, I think no pressure how long this is going to go or where this is going to go, but let's just use some of these questions and just have a conversation. But I think we'll start with the first one. What would you say are the unique cultural traits you bring into your family as a married couple? Um, I think for us, just uh, as you guys know, with the different backgrounds that we have growing up, um, it has been very helpful for us to have perspectives from different places. Yeah. Whenever we're addressing issues or challenges or problem solving, I think um, there are unique things to the cultures that I bring to the table and that she brings to the table mm-hmm. um, that help us navigate like what our lives look like on the day to day. Usually it's, it's easy for me to uh, talk about myself, but <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to put her on blast a little bit uh, because this is one of the first things I noticed about her even in our friendship before we're a married couple is just how um, practical and hardworking she is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, for me growing up, uh, my family were kind of a mix because a lot of my, I guess my parents and their parents kind of moved, like we discussed, from the rural areas to the urban yeah. areas. Yeah. So they know the value of hard work, what it's like to be on a farm or live in a village, but they also know how to get along in the city. Mm-hmm. And I've seen them embody that practical practicality, that hard work ethic. Mm-hmm. And... Um, even without us being in a romantic relationship, yeah. I think I saw that early on in Yemi, just how um, she tries to utilize everything she has. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, she tries to make sure that no stone gets left unturned. Um, mm-hmm. And that's not just in regards to things. I think even with people, um, she will not sleep at night knowing that she didn't do what she needed to do for a mm-hmm. friendship. Um, so that's me putting you on blast. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you have... <laughs> No, I think you pretty much hit it all. I would say, yeah, perspective as far as our background, growing up in partly in Ethiopia and then in Montana and then coming here 
to Virginia for school. So exposure allows me, allows us to adapt in that aspect of, yeah, hardworking. But as far as our backgrounds, we bring in wherever we go. That's part of us, part of our identity, I would say. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think that pretty much covers it. Being practical, yeah. the aspect of food, what we enjoy, music, and that culture aspect as far as, yeah, you bring in Zambian culture, and then I would bring in Ethiopian plus, you know, living at West. So mm -hmm. that's different. <laughs> has, that, uh, has that clashed? Sometimes, but not really. Um, I don't think... The traits really have clashed for yeah. us. Yeah. Um, I think it meshes pretty well, yeah. I would say. Yeah. More so because, he, you know, our African background kind of brings us in. Yeah. yeah. And then we're just kind of adapting here in America together in our marriage. Gotcha. So I think it meshes, I would uh -huh. say, more than clash. Yeah. Like another example of that, too, is um, growing up for us, I grew up in a very hospitable home mm -hmm. um, we're used to giving up our rooms for guests yeah. we're used yeah, to yeah. making sure they're well fed um obviously but um yeah doing that growing up just gave us an appreciation for people and how to treat them and receive them in your home right. um i see a little bit of that in yemi too growing up and just being in you know interacting with family in montana as well they're very hospitable people, and that kind of allowed us to mesh in a practical way here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whenever we're receiving people from out of town or we're actually hanging out with our friends at our home, we try to make it a space where people are comfortable, yeah. a space mm -hmm. where people can re be refreshed, yeah. you know. And um, that's a really good way for us to bring what we've experienced as kids in our cultural context into our family moving forward. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, I think, uh, so, you know, Ashley and I obviously have different cultural backgrounds but like one i remember distinctly uh one of the ways it clashed was uh <laughs> we were dating still and um so filipinos fry eggs like mm -hmm. the way they fry eggs is like you literally fry it like almost like you're deep frying it oh wow and <laughs> what was, like we were making scrambled eggs we were doing like the breakfast thing together so yeah. romantic <laughs> and so i hit Put a pan on the stove. I put oil on it, and I was like getting the eggs scrambled. And she just looks at the stove with the pan with the oil. Like it's like maybe a, a lot of oil in it because uh -huh. I was getting You're ready to fry it. some eggs. She's like, "Is that water?" In the pan? <laughs> I was like, "Wait, what? What are you talking about?" She's like, "That's so much oil." And so that was like one of the things that from the beginning, like That's we weren't even funny. married yet. Yeah. And. It was just like we do things differently. Yeah, we make not, food differently. Yeah, yeah, we make food differently, and so. And maybe not even like a clash, but it was just so, so funny. A different like, approach. Very different approach. Yeah. yeah. I would not. I get think that. It. I think for us, the classic one is um, growing up, going to boarding school, and just mm -hmm. being naturally clean person. Is I always oh. make my bed. Like, yeah. Okay. Every morning, yeah. I'm almost militant about it. Yeah. And this is something that like I've never expected my roommates or my like my wife to ever do mm -hmm. but even in college because i did it somehow everybody else started doing what i would do like if they saw me make the bed they would feel bad and they would make the bed <laughs> i don't expect you to make the bed so it's like now true. we yeah. always make the bed every time together yeah 
It's funny because I guess for you growing up, I don't know if that was... No, that was not a thing. My parents did not care whether or not I made my bed. Mm -hmm. But then I would go to his dorm to visit mm -hmm. and his bed is always made. I'm like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> but have Like it. the sheets are always tied. Yeah, like perfectly made. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that must have left an impression on you because I had to do that. Like we had... Austrians have to do mandatory military service. Mm. Oh, and we had to make our bed too, but that that, that didn't carry over for me into college. <laughs> into college. Oh, it was just like I did it for the military, and then it stopped. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. How would you describe your experience living in the U.S. as a first generation living in America? We spoke a little bit about this earlier, but for me, I would say it's more complicated and yeah. slash challenging. I would say. Mainly because of just my experience, my background, and coming into it, I didn't fully, I don't know, my transition wasn't as smooth as I would like. So mainly being that I was the only sibling that came to America, so mm -hmm. I was more so independent as far as transitioning, what that looked like. So more so I would say mine is complicated. It's been great now that I fully transitioned. Yeah. But at the beginning, I would say it was complicated finding myself, who I am. Am I Ethiopian? Am I American? Right. Even though I was both right. grasping, finding my grounding and who I am mm -hmm. was complicated, I'd say. Did you feel like there was an expectation for you to have an answer for that yeah. question immediately? I think so. More so, I put that weight on myself yeah. mm -hmm. more than anybody trying to find who I am as soon as possible so yeah. I can be like I am this and right. I just wanted to blend in and belong yeah and that wasn't happening as smoothly as I wanted it mm -hmm. <laughs> so I, I found it very tough actually so yeah I think for me it's been a little bit different just because I came here later mm -hmm. um she came when she was 10 I came yeah. when I was 16 so for me a lot of my cultural identity mm -hmm was already formed at that point mm -hmm. so coming in too um i felt like i had a, a lot of support and tools to thrive because um, most international students when they come into the states they're on their own they don't yeah. have family mm. um for me it was different like i had uncles and aunts and cousins who made it very easy for me to adapt uh, i had prior exposure before i came here um when i was 12 for a vacation and I guess even with my personality, it made it a little bit easier with knowing English beforehand to come mm -hmm. here. Um, I didn't have to start from scratch the way Yemi did. It was more so like learning the accent of things and just the way yeah. people do things here. So it is challenging and it is complicated. <laughs> but at the same time, I think for me also being in transition, obviously, mm -hmm. um, in one sense, I am a first generation American in my immediate family, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But... Um, in the grander context of extended family, I, I'm not. There are people who tried right. the path for me before I came. Um, and that made it a little bit easier for me not to be the pioneer in that sense. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask, is there something that someone who grew up here wouldn't think about as adding to that transition being difficult? Is there something that was, I guess, maybe what was one of the most surprising things when you first came here? I think for me... Mm um <laughs> uh the the talk about driving while black 
mm-hmm. was very different mm-hmm. because when I was working on becoming a driver in Zambia, yeah. um, I didn't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, obviously, corruption amongst um, cops is a thing. Like, you know, right. there are cops that aren't good. There are cops that are good, too. But uh, I guess in my context, it was more so financial than it was racial. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, so coming here where it was racial, it's like, okay, thankfully I haven't had um, experiences where my blackness has, well being pulled over has led to something detrimental. Mm-hmm. But just having that talk kind of made me realize like, okay, I'm in a different world now because yeah, right. I have to be more conscious of the way I portray myself to others. Mm-hmm. Um, in a sense that wow. not everybody might give me the benefit of the doubt. Wow. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I would say that's very similar as far as you're just more aware of who you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, right, not necessarily just racially, but like you you can tell that you're different mm-hmm. in a your crowd. You're just very yeah. distinct. And yeah. Yeah. whether yeah. you like it or not, you're distinct in that sense so being aware of like oh this is my setting Mm -hmm. um this is who i am this is where i belong like reminding yourself in that sense um so yeah the culture is definitely different because i didn't grow up you know i wasn't born into it i just came in halfway Mm -hmm. into my life Mm -hmm. so like having to relearn like this is okay and this is not okay. Yeah. Um, this is polite. This is not polite. This yeah. is our history now. Um, so going back and understanding what the basis of this country is. Yeah. For sure. It's different. Yeah. So, so yeah. for a Filipino having grown up in Austria and I was born there and I spoke German basically like fluently yeah. and there was, it's almost like, opposite i'm going to get to the question but i could be as fluent in german have the austrian passport but from the other austrians would never be seen as as an austrian mm-hmm. i would always be like a foreigner mm-hmm. a filipino wow. and so because i was distinct right yeah. i like i looked i didn't look austrian i didn't yeah. look like arnold schwarzenegger whereas for you you are distinct in your upbringing, yeah. but you come to a setting or culture where they're already you're like you're you're an American, yeah, mm-hmm. unless proven otherwise. Yeah. And so, how has that difference, like how how's that contrast between like I should be expected, to, even though you do feel like there is a difference between Zambia or Ethiopia yeah. to the U.S., but the fact that you almost get f- kind of boxed Um, into like this is your you're just an american how has that experience been living here when like if you didn't tell anybody mm -hmm. you could have gotten away as having never lived anywhere else yeah um that's that's actually a very good question because when i think about it obviously in your case you spoke the part yeah um, you just looked different Mm -hmm. correct you know whereas for us it's we look the part but were brought up different mm-hmm. right um and i guess like thinking through that for us on, i had a thought and it just left me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i guess the advantage of looking the part is it's easier to adapt mm. yeah mm-hmm. um because when i'm at work for example um i joke about this with some of my coworkers, is that there'll be a lot of people who grew up here who will see me and immediately call me young blood. 
right you know like <laughs> i'm already part of the in group right mm-hmm. um there's not like they unless they're in conversation and with, with me yeah mm-hmm. not many of them will realize like oh this dude actually grew up somewhere different mm-hmm. right so in a way that's an advantage because i feel like i'm a bridge between two worlds huh. yeah um yeah. because i have people who grew up here who see me as part of their in group but then the opposite is also true in that there might be Africans that I work with or mm. there might be internationals that I work with who may be going through things that I've gone through that makes me part of their end group. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, in a lot of ways, I guess this also comes with my cultural identity being developed before I came here. I know how to behave like the group I'm a part of without yeah. losing who I am. Mm. Um, and that to me is a strength because, um, if I'm dealing with my African American brothers and sisters, I can relate to them. I can right. talk about hard issues with them and provide a different perspective coming right. from a majority context. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? Whereas, right. um, international students or people who are from different places who are black, I can be like, okay, look, I too have grown up in a different context. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in my adapting to this country, these are some of the steps I took. Yeah. You know what I mean? To mm-hmm. remain true to who I was, but also make sure that I'm somewhat assimilated. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, that thought came back. <laughs> you caught it. Good job. No, I, I have to agree that the chameleon aspect of it, being yeah. able to adapt. Right. Um, because of our experiences, we're able to yeah. blend in in whatever yeah. situation we're throwing in. And in America, it's the melting pot. Yeah. Right. So yeah. there are people from all over the place, yeah. from mm-hmm. all sorts of cultures and backgrounds. So to us, I think it's an advantage. It yeah. opens our eyes sure. to different people and to mm-hmm. take them in and accept them and be able to hear their story and mm-hmm. i don't know i think it's a privilege i would say i love that i think this is kind of along the same vein what are some of the best parts in your upbringing or in your culture or country of origin you would want to carry forward into the future for your family <laughs> I, I love this because uh that one made me think yeah it really <laughs> does make us think yeah um, uh, I remembered a conversation I had with my dad growing up um, in which he was telling me um, what he would like to pass on to me, the mm. next generation. Right? Yeah. And um, growing up, obviously, in Zambia, you know, there's different tribes, different languages, different cultures at play. Um, and in my mind as a child, sometimes it's easy to think, oh, my dad would just want to pass on his tribal heritage to me. Mm. Or my dad would just want me to have you know, a part of him that is important, but to him, uh, the most important thing was his faith. Mm. And um, I shared this with Yemi too. I'm very privileged in that uh, my family is the product of a lot of mission work that went into Africa. Um, I think my great-grandfather, one of my ancestors, was one of the first three indigenous Baptist preachers. Wow. Wow. Um, So whenever I hear missions at Hill City, I'm always like, yeah, people don't realize, but like, I'm really a product, product of that, of that. Yeah. because there was wow. a faith that, you know, that dad had to pass on to his son and then yeah. that dad to his son, who in turn passed it to me. Yeah. Um, I think that's something moving forward. That's not just true of me, obviously, but in Yemi's family, they also have a long line of faith. Um, I was actually privileged to learn uh, in her adopted family that as they were moving from Europe to here, um, I think mm-hmm. mom found this Bible. Yeah, my and, grandpa. Yeah, my mm-hmm. grandpa. And it's like, 
I'm not sure if it was his dad or if it yeah, was him. It was his great dad. grandpa. Yeah, yeah, his dad. They weren't sure about his faith. Hmm. And they found yeah. this really sweet note where he was praying for his kids and he was like, I hope that you also accept Jesus. And wow. Yeah, it really was, handed down. was a sense of pride for them to be like, okay, this is a gift that they've also had from generation to generation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And moving forward, even though we're from completely different lineages, mm-hmm. yeah. that's something we want to be able to pass on to our kids as yeah. well. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, definitely. You can see the fruit of our parents and parents and parents of faith that they had yeah. Yeah. and then trickling down to down to us, you know, and just being able to carry that out with our family and our kids and so on. So I think that's pretty, pretty up top, I would mm-hmm. say. Because mm-hmm. we value that and that's important mm-hmm. to us and we want to pass down that. Exactly that's what matters. Something eternal something that's lasting yeah and then uh, i guess a few more specific things too for me it was also the family bond Mm. Um, you may relate to this but like my cousins really weren't my cousins they Mm. were like my brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. yeah um we knew them we called their parents moms and dads you know um, you guys have heard me spew before about like how my brother's kids are my kids or, mm-hmm. you know, how my dad's brother is my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that I kind of enjoyed growing up because my cousins weren't distant, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. I see, especially in this culture in America, mm-hmm. not everybody has that privilege of like, oh, I know my cousins well. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? I'm in constant touch or communication and we actually enjoy each other's company. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, ideally for me moving forward with my family, I'd like them to be in a place where, um, whether it's with my in-laws or with my actual siblings and their kids, they would be able to feel like they belong to them, mm-hmm. yeah. like they're actually a family, you know, yeah. and have a bond that far ex- out exists us, mm-hmm. you know, to the point that even if we weren't telling them, hey, let's go to vacation to see our family or let's yeah. travel to see them, they would still be able to go and see them if they wanted to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I think the last one was, even though at the time it didn't feel like it, because <laughs> growing up I never understood why our house was open to so many people. <laughs> I did not particularly enjoy giving up my room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, after growing up and seeing the wisdom of sharing the good things that you yeah. have with others, yeah. I think moving forward, I want to be able to do that for other people wow. as well. Um, there's wisdom with how you do it. Obviously, yeah. you don't want to expose your family to things that aren't good for them. Yep. But I think there is also something good about opening your house and your resources mm-hmm. to people sure. who are getting on their feet. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, man, I struggled with that as a kid a lot with the house always being open and and it was like almost to the point where now looking back i realize my family is practicing hospitality to demonstrate what it means to you know bless because we've been blessed Mm -hmm. but i i'm glad you mentioned like that balance because man there are so many times where i was just bitter like upset on my parents or fake sickness yeah i would would pretend to be sick and be like hey i i can't leave my room and just like cough really loudly while their guests downstairs so that they would get them to leave the house wow um so that they could tend to me but things like that where you know it's so good to try and practice that mm-hmm. but at the same time also get a sense of you know now that we're parents i have this in the forefront of my mind that 
I want my kids to also know that while we practice this hospitality, you also matter to me. Yeah, you know yeah. that your your needs are important to me, yeah. and that I won't do it at as much as possible. I'll try not to do it at your expense, right. mm-hmm. where or or it feeling that way. But yeah, it's that balance of like involving them in the process uh-huh. and making. Mm. Like that teaching of this is why we we do this. Mm-hmm. It's not because I don't want you to have a room and I don't care right. about yeah. you. Yeah. You know, it's because we also care about other people and the Lord has been so good to us. Right. Yeah. And we want to share in that blessing with others as well. And so there is that fine line of how do you teach that to your children, mm-hmm. you know, without just kind of creating that sense of right. resentment and bitterness, yeah. you know. Yeah. 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 I get that too because like it's funny you bring that up because I guess for me I was the sibling that they my, some of my siblings tease me and say I'm a little bit diplomatic mm. uh, <laughs> uh, you know I know how to make peace I have more expressive siblings who would be yeah. willing to speak up and be like hey it's not right that we have people doing this yeah yeah that was and, me uh, yeah <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was your sibling exactly <laughs> And I'm so thankful for them because, like, obviously you intend to do these things well as a parent, right? Yeah. Where you, yeah. you want to make sure that people are well received. But it doesn't mean that there won't be people who try to take advantage of that. Yeah. 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 Um, there were times where um, mm. sometimes without my parents knowing, we gave up a little bit more than right. was permitted. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes my sibling would talk to my parents and be like, hey, did you know this happened? Yeah. Right. And they'll be like, I have no idea, but yeah. it will never happen again. You right. know what I mean? Because yeah. there is wisdom in making sure that your kids do feel loved and seen. And it's like, hey, I'm not not caring about you right. in the midst yeah. of all of this. And I think yeah. a, a really good example is um, whenever there's a funeral in Africa, typically, and I'm sure this is true for the world, everybody from the east south west north will usually come and pay their respects Mm -hmm. you know from the rural areas Mm -hmm. the city Mm -hmm. and they'll actually be like a designated funeral home where there'll be Mm -hmm. mourners who come in and Mm -hmm. some of them spend the night because they literally came from like hours away Mm -hmm. and oftentimes what ends up happening is because we're very honoring of the elders in our culture which is a good thing right but sometimes it would be at the expense of the kids without realizing yep. it because the kids in these contexts wouldn't have any place to sleep. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? They would end up sleeping in cars because they're small people. It's like, okay, they can suffer for a few nights. You know yeah. what I mean? And uh, usually that's when the MJs of this world would be like, uh, we got to take care of these people. <laughs> you know? Um, and yeah, obviously you don't want people to be taken advantage of in the sense that, okay, yes, my home is your home, but obviously right. make sure that my kids don't feel like they're displaced uh-huh. right uh-huh. right it's definitely a balance mm-hmm. yeah there is a balance and also so you know there's a lot of themes that um i was hearing as you guys were explaining things that you want to carry along with you but alongside the more like family oriented like you almost see like your family line as a whole mm-hmm as opposed to just individual parts that are that happen mm-hmm. to be geographically located in the same area i think uh one of the things that i'm seeing is like that push and pull between the like family versus like the hyper individualized mm-hmm. you like you determine your own destiny you're here in america and in that we're like trying to figure out what's what does balance mean in that context cuz mm-hmm. i i don't think you should just go so far to one side where you know you're just giving absolutely everything up 
or mm-hmm. it's like painful for your family to be so you know like i'm just thinking of an extreme on that side or on the other end where you know we were talking about this maybe a couple of weeks ago where like in the philippines you know if there was a cousin or a sibling that said you know i, w- I want to be a singer mm-hmm. or i want to be a painter <laughs> like they're like no you're not doing that you're doing something that's going to be productive to the family because it it, you were considered a resource for the family to yeah. survive, yeah. right? Like it was something that we needed to provide for the good of the entire family. And thankfully, we're in a world now where you can pursue those arts mm-hmm. and you can make a living doing those things. But again, it's like it's like a balance, right? Like where does it lie for, you know, somebody who's who's got previous cultural experiences you bring to the table and like finding a new identity as a family mm-hmm. here in the U.S., which is something that we're yeah. kind yeah. of figuring out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you picked up on that because I think even for me, that was actually my struggle when I came here Yeah, mm-hmm. um, because I was so used to doing everything with family and in mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. And then I'm in a very individualistic society, so yeah. Yeah. I found myself on both extremes, right? Mm-hmm. Where like everything that I thought of and wanted to do, I'd pass through by my family. And then there are certain situations in which I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do things my way. Right. You know, and, you know, no particular route is right because obviously you can still fault with all the support of your family or you can still fault when you're doing things by yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think, at least for me now, I feel like I'm in a good place to be able to, like, know when to push into that family, like, support and lineage of, like, hey, I need your help. You know what I mean? And be aware of like how that, you know, yeah. makes them feel or how my individualism might impact them to be like, okay, look, I want to respect you even though I'm making a decision as my own man, you know? Right. And also just being your own man, you know? Yeah. It's one thing to be your own man in a culture that's so collective. Yeah. But then to learn how to become that in an individualistic society. Right. There's this internal tension of like, Absolutely. Man, I need to make sure those who went before me know everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But at the same time, it's like yeah. too many could spoil the broth. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. So um, it was a very humbling experience for me where I was able to learn like, okay, this is how you do relationships with yeah. people. Mm-hmm. But then this is also how you make your own decisions. Yeah. 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 And I think there's something to be said about, you know, recognizing that in, in how you guys shared this earlier that recognizing all of the things that were put in place for you to be able to be where you're at and remembering that is part of like what honoring that means, Mm -hmm. right? And that like for us now that we are parents and we have children, we don't want to raise kids that believe that the the things that they get to enjoy is just a given, Mm. but that they are part of a long line and or a bigger story than just their own generation where hey, your great-grandmother who lives with the, us right now made sacrifices for th- for her kids and her grandkids. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like there's, there's like a long mm-hmm. line that allowed you to enjoy the things that you have. And I think there's something, to, you know, for, for me now, it's just like being a parent, I want to look back more and, mm-hmm. and be like, hey, what are some of those things that like mm-hmm. made us distinct? What are some of the things that, you know, the, the Tare family line held up because mm. I want to continue those best parts mm. and like move them forward right. in my family line. And it's, it's just something that, you know, I, th- I think as you're kind of experiencing it, you're like, man, I want to 
you might tend to swing the pendulum too far one or the other, mm -hmm. which is totally normal. Mm -hmm. But there's something that's so cool about how you guys are already thinking about, yeah. you know, we're part of this larger story. And, and the Lord's writing his story all throughout mm -hmm. all of the generations yeah. with, with all of the brokenness that's inside there, right? Right. right? And that there's like, there's that redemptive work that we can pass along for us now as parents, that our hope is our children will be good parents to their children. Yeah. Um, and that's like, we want to think further than just like, mm, okay, I'm responsible for my daughter yeah. until she's 18 years old and then she's out the door. No, like, I want to raise a good mom. Mm. Yeah. I want to raise a good dad, like right. in, in Judah. And so, you know, it's cool to be thinking about those things where, I think in an individualized culture, you don't get to, I'm responsible for you until you're 18 yeah. and then yeah. see, see ya. ya. See ya. <laughs> yeah. And I think there, like, you, can, there's, you, you miss out on so many things by having just that hyper yeah. individualistic mindset that I think yeah. you know, we get to enjoy because we know or have experienced a culture that is more collective. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, I still carry some of those things today, like mm -hmm. where like a Sunday afternoon where it's just us as a family. I'm like, is there somebody that should be coming over? Like, <laughs> yeah, somebody be here? Yeah, yeah. And like, I cook for like, like when I make food, I make food for like two times of the number of people that are here, because there have been times where people just show up at our house, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and have a meal with us, and and so like, th and those habits die hard in terms yeah. of that like family oriented, you know. So like, those are some of the things that come with the territory, mm -hmm. but I think mm -hmm. they're not all necessarily uh, bad either. So. I was going to ask about um, how your faith has shaped your relationship. But before then, I wanted to see if there was anything else you wanted to share about just culturally, like things that you want to pass forward. I didn't know if there was something you wanted to share but didn't get to. Yeah, I think of our background, I mean, we definitely value coming from Ethiopia, coming from Zambia. Like we want to carry that. I want yeah. We want our kids to know where we come from. Um, it's not just just because they are being born in America and being raised in America. I don't want them to forget, like MJ said, of their past and where mm -hmm. our family come from, you know, our family line. So more so exposing them yeah. to mm -hmm. those different diverse cultures yeah. um, just because that's what we are. We are. Yeah. Um, I think that's really important and not having them grow up in isolation. I mm. want exposure as far as what they're exposed to. Mm. Healthy things, of course, but the world is a big place yeah. and it's not just one, it, there's not just one way to live. Right. You know? yeah. so, and America allows that. Yeah. You know, right. It yeah. gives us that opportunity For sure. to show them that. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I wanted to add. <laughs> Yeah, and then obviously, I guess answering your question too, uh, faith has been and remains a very solid foundation for us in our relationship because um, without it, we really have no business knowing each other. Yeah. <laughs> um, and especially with the odds of just even our geography. Yeah. Like, if it wasn't for Christ, there would be no way for us to connect yeah. the way that we did. Mm -hmm. um, so... Even from the very beginning, like as I was praying through in the courting stage of like, okay, Lord, do I pursue her? Do I not? Mm -hmm. um, it was really faith driven in that one. I had to um, have what was my own subjective experience of, you know, hearing from the Lord concerning the issue. And then I had the um, collective, you know what I mean? Experience of like, okay, these are the people who I lean on for counsel. They know my heart. They know its weaknesses and its strengths. What is their wisdom concerning this situation? 
And obviously, this is the objective truth of God's word. Right. You know, that has principles that may not always speak directly to your situation, but may be applied. Yeah. You know, um, and I think these three have remained for us very foundational in handling just like what is our vision for the relationship? What mm-hmm. are the challenges we face? What are the boundaries that we have for different stages of our relationship? When you're driven by those things, you know, it's, it's, you have something outside of yourself that makes it a little bit more stable, such that mm. whether things are difficult or right. they're easy, the, the relationship still stands. Mm. You know, I see a lot of people who just go off a whim and the, there's no prayer, there's no, there's no wisdom, there's no trust in the Lord, really. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of times it makes it harder for you to do the work of a marriage, which is already difficult, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I don't know if you want to add a little bit more to that. No, I think it definitely does add a stability, a foundation to who we are and what we're striving for. Yeah. We always have a base, like at least we are, you know, we land in these truths, mm-hmm. which is our faith. Mm-hmm. So you can always, always come back to the center. And that has been so helpful when we get lost, you know, in opinions and conflicts, whatever it might take, you still have your faith. Wow. So that has been our grounding yeah. thing. So I think a very good picture of that too was um, sorry, y'all. I like talking about my wedding day because I love my <laughs> wife and my family. <laughs> but <laughs> those who were there um, will remember that there were three songs that were sang yeah. in three different languages oh, that wow. all glorified that, the Lord. Wow. That's and so that's cool. two of them were sang while I was washing her feet and she was washing my feet. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. um, the English one was Jesus at the Center, which is a very simple elementary song. But for us, it really is kind of a mantra. It's like, hey, whether we're doing well or there's difficulty, Jesus mm. has to remain at the center. Mm. You know, like it's not about me. It's not about you. Yeah. Christ is the center of this relationship. He's the, the center of this marriage. Yeah. Um, and we try to hold to that every day yeah. um, ever since and even before <laughs> then, really, yeah. I would say. And it's comforting to have that that peace. It's like, okay, this yeah. is our union. And knowing that he's a believer, I'm a believer, and we're both seeking to glorify God, mm-hmm. it just makes it easier in a yeah. sense, you know. In the, it doesn't matter in the midst of the chaos. We can always come back to the center. So to me, that's very comforting, I'd say. I'm encouraged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that because I feel like... Um, in our relationship, there are like our cultural differences are so polar opposite, and so, so different. yeah, very very different. Mm-hmm. And so there is always great opportunity for clash, or to unintentionally offend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the way that the only way we've been able to experience the unity that we have is in our surrendering our way. You know, what feels like this is the right way mm-hmm. or this should be superior yeah. in our home. You know what I mean? We have to literally set those things aside and seek to elevate the other person, you mm-hmm. know, and respect the other person and see things from their way and understand that there's not a right and wrong way in the situation. Yeah. Like we have to set our ways and our differences aside Mm -hmm. and really elevate okay what is the biblical thing here Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and that 
it takes a lot of work, I feel like, to do that. But like you were talking about, that's what I just thought of when you were talking about, yeah. you know, Christ as the center. It really yeah. takes those differences and makes them like equal ground, yep. you know? And it's like, mm. okay, this isn't about highlighting or elevating mm-hmm. like either of our ways, but much more us coming together in unity and how Christ wants us to operate in our marriage yeah. towards each other with respect, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. with mutual respect and mutual love for each other and serving each other. And yeah. it's just, it's, it's, work. it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, there's work. work. And then there's also like Christ's relationship with the church is the analogy to like marriage yeah. and like the bride mm-hmm. and that as you guys were talking i was thinking about how because we've experienced selfless love mm-hmm. as a foundation right that we were saved yeah. we get to practice that in marriage and because we know we know what that's like and so man being married is like a level of that mm-hmm. of like loving selflessly and then like being parents is another <laughs> layer of that where it's like yeah. These kids will literally won't even say thank you because they don't know how to talk. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah. so, like, in the journey of, like, man, I love that foundationally, you know, not only were it not for our faith, we would not meet each other, but, like, it is the center of yeah. mm-hmm. how you guys are building your relationship. And that's, like, surefire because it's not going to change with yep. how you feel towards each other or the season of life that you're in. But because foundationally, like, you know, we you've committed to a covenant to yeah. one another mm-hmm. and that like it's a shadow of the covenant that Christ made with us mm-hmm. that you can't shake that. Um, yeah. And so it's something that I, th- you know, I just love that because it's such a good reminder yeah. mm-hmm. of how we ought to be building, you know, marriage relationships this is on like a covenant that mm-hmm. we've experienced in terms of as, as a shadow of yeah. what Christ did for his bride. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's such a beautiful image, you know, the mm-hmm. selfless love, because I remember growing up, some of the things I heard was, and at the time, obviously a single young man, you have no context for this, but then when you're married, <laughs> that's the beauty of w- wisdom is that later on you're like, okay, now I see what this means. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, it's twofold in that um, when you're in love with somebody or when you care for them, you're able to identify their needs and meet them, like see how they change throughout the different seasons. Mm-hmm. But then with faith, it's even deeper because you realize that you're not the provider mm. for wow. those needs. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you're just a vessel or a channel through which those needs are met. Mm. So it's it's really humbling to go through that because it gives you a different perspective of what Christ does for his church. Mm. Right. In that not only am I able to say, okay, what Yemi needs at year one is very different from what Yemi needs at year two. Mm-hmm. But I trust God that whether it's in year one or year two, he's going to meet her need yeah. through me. Yeah. yeah. You know, wow. and I think yeah. even just in terms of manhood, that's such a, a weight off our shoulders. Absolutely. Because we, we live in a context where the man is supposed to be doing yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. And there is some wisdom to that. But I think on a deeper level, when you realize you're more of the channel and the vessel yeah. and less of the source, yeah. then when you run dry, it's not a crisis. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like that. This is kind of a weird question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> How would you say you're an Abraham in your family line? So like the first of, of your family line as a, as a new family. And by the way, not that I'm clarifying this for you, but... 
I didn't think for myself I was a family before we had kids. Um, but you're very much already a family today. Mm. And so, hmm. and that's because you're, you're a generation separate from, you know, like you, mm. from your original family. And that being married to each other, your what was once immediate family is now extended family the moment you got married. Hmm. And so I think that's kind of like the context that I, or the background I had for that question was, how are you the Abraham in your family line? <laughs> <laughs> Um, we had a couple things. The first being that we were the first to marry outside of our culture hmm. in our family, um, in both in America and in our African background. So. Hmm. Yeah, that, and then obviously um, with coming to America as well, slash my little prideful boarding school experience. <laughs> uh, I think I opened the floodgates. Uh, shout out to my younger sister for going through them too. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, yeah, I think just living out of state. Um, yeah. Most of our siblings are close to where they grew up or close to mom and dad. And we are very much so, you know how God tells Abraham, like, hey, go to a land that I will show you. Right. And do just picks up and goes it goes yeah like we kind have of wild yeah yeah like, what? Like, yeah what is this yeah but in a, in a sense i think god is doing that with us because we wow. are we don't know where this journey is going to end right yeah. you know yeah. we, we don't we're excited about the prospects of where the lord is leading us and right. the people is connecting us to yeah but we're very much so trailblazers and like hey one moment god might tell us to keep moving yeah. <laughs> right yeah right i love that you want to ask the last question sure this is also a, a weird one. Kind of a deeper question. Oh. <laughs> what would you want to be able to say you've accomplished by the time you hit your 70th birthday? Ooh. When I read this question, I instantly <laughs> said, um, so, Yemi, you have to answer this one because, you see, she doesn't want to live too long past 70. <laughs> so I was like, you must have uh, thought about this one then if you have that goal. You don't want to live past 70? No. <laughs> I feel like I would have seen what I need to see. <laughs> I'm good. I can go to heaven now. <laughs> I've seen it all. Yeah. yeah, but I guess on a more serious note, though, um, the gospel legacy, which we've kind of shared mm-hmm. a little bit earlier, um, that faith to be reproduced and passed down from generation mm-hmm. to generation. Mm-hmm. There's something so beautiful about being able to get those who come after you and be like, hey, let me share something with you, a treasure. Yeah that has kept me when I was your age, mm-hmm. that is keeping me now, and that will continue to keep me for as long as I will live. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's not just true for the family sense, but even those that we interact with that are not our blood. Yeah. yeah. You know, like the, the people in the church or even people who aren't in the church, there's a gospel legacy where we can be either speaking the good news to them mm. or living it out in a way that they notice. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's something wow. that we aspire to do. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's the gospel definitely being, it's just an opportunity. Um, we are image barriers, just yeah. remembering that yeah. wherever we go and just being able to exemplify that um, and present it well, um, not necessarily we we don't want to lead people astray, but like living the gospel out well so that it's understood and received. Mm. Um, I think that's pretty important. And then another one I would say would be ever being students, 
um, as far as learning, um, always learning mm-hmm. from people, from younger ones, older ones, mm-hmm. people, our peers, wherever mm-hmm. we go, we want to be remembered as students rather than like, I have arrived. I don't mm-hmm. want to ever just arrive and quit, you know? Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. The Lord has uh, blessed Yemi with a <laughs> very nice, inquisitive curiosity. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and for me, that has been very, very pleasant and very good <laughs> because we're always learning we're always pushing ourselves to um, just grow more uh, especially when it comes to stuff of the faith or even things outside of it yeah. uh, another thing I, th- I would say would like to be remembered for or at least have a legacy of at our 70th birthday is being a giver yeah um uh, this is at, we touched on this with the hospitality portion yeah. but there's there's something beautiful about you know not letting the riches you have own you and that's not just in a materialistic sense, but even the relationships. Like, we have such good friendships. Wherever we go, you guys are a blessing to yeah. us. Mm. You know, we we have family that are blessings to us. Yeah. And, um, those are the things that we would like to give to others as well, you know. Um, I would like to very much so be remembered as, like, oh, this dude introduced me to this guy. Or, you know, when I was in the dumps, this guy helped me out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know what it's like to be on the receiving end of that. Mm-hmm. Even in an eternal perspective, it's like I receive from God what I couldn't give myself. Mm-hmm. So who am I not to do the same for somebody right. when I'm able? Mm-hmm. Right. And then this is a selfish one for me, <laughs> but I don't have that 70 deadline. <laughs> I hope I go first, but I don't have that deadline. So um, I would say just seeing a family legacy um, hmm. There's something beautiful about being a grandfather or yeah. a great grandfather. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally, growing up, I knew my mom's parents. Mm-hmm. I interacted with my dad's mom a little bit, but she died when I was like three or four. Wow. Mm-hmm. So I have very like loose yeah. memories of yeah. that. <laughs> but I think moving forward, it would be amazing to get to a place where like mm-hmm. I can have conversations with a third generation, yeah. or fourth yeah. generation. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's something that I would hope to see at the 70th birthday. <laughs> that's so funny see you on the other side yeah, see you on the other I'm side hanging out with Jesus <laughs> that's awesome yeah cool I've, I was encouraged yeah. in this conversation and we really are so thankful for you guys and again like it's like I said in the beginning you got you know, your biblical fluency is evident in how you mm-hmm. think and how you talk and I really appreciate it taking the time to hang out with us so thank you thank so much. you for having yeah, us thank you for this having us so absolutely <laughs> well hey guys thanks for listening to this episode of table talks with the Tares. we'd love to hear from you and if there's something you'd specifically like for us to talk about visit honors underscore.com slash table talks to let us know and if this episode was helpful to you be sure to subscribe and to also share it with a friend we really appreciate your support all music is from the og mj tare join us next time for another conversation at our table.